Welcome to Equipping the Body. I'm Dr. Brad Starnes. Today we're continuing through the book of Luke, and we've come now to Luke chapter 6, beginning in verse number 6. And in this text, we find Jesus in a controversy over Sabbath law. To be clear, not the actual Sabbath law, but the additional laws regarding the Sabbath that the rabbis and the Pharisees had made up to elevate themselves above everyone else. Now, the Pharisees were blinded by these traditions. They had elevated them to being equal with the written, preserved word of God. To them, their traditions were equal to God's truth. What a serious and deadly error this was. Now, we see the same thing today in what we call legalism. People and churches take their traditions, the things they believe to be right, and elevate them to the point of law. They believe their traditions to be something that God approves of, that God requires of everyone else. For example, many hold to the tradition of dressing way up for Sunday service. Nothing wrong with that tradition. If that's what you desire to do, please feel free to do so. However, some take this tradition and claim that everyone else should do it, and if they do not, then they are sinning in some way. They will even take the scripture out of context to defend this tradition. Yet the scripture makes no such claim about one's garments other than being modest. Now, modest means covered. Blue jeans that fit and a t-shirt that fits is just as modest as dress clothes and perhaps more so in some circumstances. The point is this, though. Traditions are okay as long as we do not equate them to truth. But truth is whatever the Bible says, period. Now, you may have your traditions, but the moment you try to force them onto someone else and there is no scriptural basis for these traditions, then you are doing exactly what the Pharisees did, whom Jesus berated on every corner. Now, in today's sermon, we'll see an example of the Pharisees once again trying to force their tradition onto others, and they are confronted by Christ wielding the truth. This event is not an isolated example, as you know. This sort of thing takes place all the time in Jesus' earthly ministry. Believers need to be careful to distinguish between God's truth and man's tradition. And that is impossible to do unless you are a serious student of the Scripture. Now, let's read our text. Luke chapter 6, beginning in verse number 6. Now it happened on another Sabbath also that he entered the synagogue and taught, and a man was there whose right hand was withered. So the scribes and Pharisees watched him closely, whether he would heal on the Sabbath that they might find an accusation against him. But he knew their thoughts and said to the man who had the withered hand, Arise and stand here. And he arose and stood. Then Jesus said to them, I will ask you one thing. Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil? to save life or to destroy. And when he had looked round at them all, he said to the man, Stretch out your hand. And he did so, and his hand was restored as whole as the other. But they were filled with rage and disgust with one another what they might do to Jesus. I want to examine this thought from the text today. The Sabbath showdown. God's truth trumps man's tradition. The Sabbath showdown. God's truth trumps man's tradition. First of all, we'll see the story. And then second of all, we'll ask, so what? I always do this with narratives. You look at the narrative, you read who was there, what they say, you know, what were they saying to each other, where were they, when were they, et cetera, et cetera, the story. But then we have to ask, what's this got to do with me? 
And that's the so what. So first of all, the story. Now, notice in verse 6, the setting of the showdown. We find Jesus on another Sabbath entering yet another controversy. And the setting of this story is given to us in verse 6, providing a break from the previous passage. Now, was it the very next Sabbath, because it said on another Sabbath, or several weeks later? We cannot be sure, and ultimately it doesn't matter. As to the showdown of the, uh, the setting of the showdown, we first ask when, and we see its occasion, the Sabbath, its occasion. As you know, the Sabbath was every Saturday. It was regulated by the Old Testament. It was to be a day of rest, commemorating to some degree the fact that God rested on the seventh day after creating the universe in six days. The Sabbath is mentioned in the Ten Commandments as the people of Israel were instructed but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work, Exodus 20.10. It was also the days when the Jews worshipped and gathered into their local synagogue, as they do until this very day. Ultimately, the Sabbath was to be considered a gift from God of rest of one's mind, body, and souls. We've noted in the previous pericope, the Sabbath was never intended to be used against people as a ritualistic regulation. As Jesus said in Mark 2, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. That's Mark 2, 27 to be exact. The Sabbath and its observance were part of the ceremonial law, which was temporary and then fulfilled in Christ. Whereas the moral law, for example, don't kill, don't steal, don't commit adultery, those things that have to do with actual morality, they were permanent and they always will be. But the ceremonial law, such as the Sabbath regulations, such as you know, don't eat shellfish, don't wear mixed garments. All that was temporary. Now, so the setting of the showdown, it's occasion, the Sabbath, but not only it's occasion, but notice secondly, it's location, the synagogue. It's occasion, the Sabbath, and now it's location, the synagogue. We already know from Luke that it was Jesus' custom to worship on the Sabbath in the synagogue, like any other devout Jew, Jesus was devoted to the worship of the Lord God of Israel, as we all should be, and his habits and customs followed suit. We know he was already teaching throughout the synagogues and being ran out of them as well. For example, back in chapter 4, Jesus is driven out of the synagogue at Nazareth by the people because of his mercy and message regarding the Gentiles. Now, the synagogue was not synonymous with the temple. There was one temple, but many synagogues. In fact, the common practice in ancient Palestine was this. In any location, village, etc., where there were ten or more Jewish families settled, protocol said there had to be a synagogue started and then sustained. Now, while the temple was for sacrificing, the synagogue was for teaching. Jesus was a controversial and growing more so uh, each passing day, and yet at this time very popular, and he was called upon to teach in the synagogues. His wisdom was undeniable and had been marveled at at those by, around him since his youth because of the instance of him being in the temple and uh, act conversing as an equal with the scholars at the age of 12. So we have the setting of the showdown. It's occasion, the Sabbath. It's location, the synagogue. But not only the setting of the showdown, in verse 6b we find something else, the suffering of the man. We have a setting and now a suffering. The suffering of the man. What I mean by this, it's not hard to understand. There's a man and his hand was withered. You say, well, he wasn't dying. Perhaps not. Yet Luke makes it a point that it was his right hand. 
Now remember, Luke has a medical background. Luke was a doctor. Why would he be specific as to say where the other gospels do not? It was his right hand. Well, what is what handedness are the majority of people right handed? And remember, in Jesus's day, there was no welfare. Don't work, don't eat. And so, although he wasn't dying, as it were, with a withered right hand, this man undoubtedly could not provide for himself and his family. So quite literally, he was starving or on his way to it. And Jesus had compassion. So we see the suffering of the man. But not only the suffering of the man, in verse 7, we see the scrutiny of the scribes and Pharisees. The scrutiny of the scribes and Pharisees. Now, what was this scrutiny all about? Well, they were motivated by man's traditions. Now, the scribes and Pharisees begin to watch Jesus closely. In the Greek, this phrase denotes that they literally didn't take their eyes off of him. They were watching the entire time. Oh, the scrutiny they had of the Savior. They had to make sure that their little traditions were honored. They had to make sure that nobody broke their little rules, their little made-up rules. Listen to verse 7. So the scribes and Pharisees watched him closely, whether he would heal on the Sabbath, that they might find an accusation against him. Never mind if he were able to heal the man, they would believe him to be the Messiah. Oh, no. And never mind if the man was healed, it would be a great thing of mercy. They could care less. They knew he could heal the whole time. They had seen him do it before. However, that wasn't the issue. The issue was they were so rigidly obsessed with their little man-made rules that they really could care less for the things of God, including the Messiah, the Mashiach, the anointed one of Israel himself. Remember, everyone does not come to church for the right reasons. So if you think this crowd has passed away, they don't call themselves Pharisees anymore, but they're still around. Many people come to church to see who's there. Many people come to church to try to get some type of power because they're unfulfilled or insecure in their own jobs or homes, and so they try to come and take charge. And then you end up having unspiritual people trying to make spiritual decisions. And many people come to church simply out of habit. And so we have these Pharisees at the synagogue, and I just wanted to make that parallel to today. Now, the scribes and the Pharisees, they missed the entire point of religion entirely. They missed God because they were obsessed with their man's made traditions that they did in the name of God. Sounds like some people I know, but that's beside the point. So we have the scrutiny of the scribes and the Pharisees, which was motivated by man's tradition. But then we have the sympathy of the Savior, which was motivated by God's truth. And so we have a showdown between man's tradition and God's truth. So the sympathy of the Savior in verses 8 through 9, he was motivated by God's truth, undeterred by the scribes and Pharisees' rigid man-made traditionalism. Jesus goes on to show mercy towards this suffering man. As he stated in the previous passage, the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. He will not be restrained by man's twisting of Scripture to propagate their own traditions. We find Luke continues, But he knew their thoughts and said to the man who had the withered hand, Arise and stand here. And he arose and stood. 
then Jesus said to them, I'll ask you one thing. Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save life or to destroy? Now, Jesus has revealed the ridiculousness of their religious rules. Certainly, it was never wrong to save someone's life. So if Jesus was to do nothing, the man's condition would lead to worse. And we are reminded that inaction to do right is as bad as action to do wrong. James said it this way, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. So Jesus knew the point of the Sabbath was to help, not to hurt. Therefore, by helping someone, this would not be a violation of the no working Sabbath rule because it is always right to do what is right. Now, don't miss this. Jesus had placed the scribes and the Pharisees in a lose-lose situation because if they said yes, heal him, then they broke their own little rules and they would be seen for the hypocrites they were. However, if they said do not heal him, then they would be seen as evil and spiteful and without mercy towards those in need. So all they could do was sit there with their mouths shut. Because either way, if they said, heal him, Jesus, they've broke their own rules. If they said, don't heal him, Jesus, they've broken God's rules. And so all they can do is be quiet. And it's so interesting, Jesus said, I'll ask you one thing. Is it right to save life or destroy it? It's almost as if Jesus looked at him and said, gotcha. He put him in a lose-lose situation. Now, Finally, we see this, the schemes of the scribes and Pharisees. And so after the uh, sympathy of the Savior, motivated by God's truth, and the scrutiny of the scribes, motivated by man's tradition, then we see the scheme of the scribes and Pharisees in, the, in verses 10 to 11. The scribes and Pharisees begin to scheme how they could destroy Jesus. He was a threat to their power. He was a threat to their control they exercised over the people. He revealed how wrong they were about the things of God. All of this was enough to get him killed eventually. While we are still early in the book of Luke, we will note as their scheming continues. So then we find in verse 11, but they were filled with rage and discussed with one another what they might do to Jesus. The term filled with rage literally means angry to the point of insanity. They were so mad they could not think straight. They were so upset. Religious hypocrites tend to be this way. When they are confronted with truth, they will go to any extent necessary to destroy those who speak the truth. One historical example of this is how the Roman Catholic Church persecuted Protestants up until and during the Reformation as well as after the Reformation and many other places throughout the world. They were conflicted. Martin Luther opposed them with God's truth, but they clung to man's traditions and they were so angry about it that they attempted to kill Luther and they killed many men like Luther. That's what happens. Religious hypocrites... Uh, they're all about power, and they could care less about God. And so when this truth of God begins to go forth and they begin to lose their little grip on things that they thought they had, they will resort to violence if necessary, whether it be by words or physical. I'm just telling you. And so we see that in the life of Jesus and an example in the Protestant Reformation. Well, that's the story. The Sabbath showdown. 
God's truth trumps man's tradition. That's the story. Now, I've got to tell you what, ask you this, the so what. We've seen the story, now the so what. What does this have to do with us? The order of the Pharisees doesn't exist anymore. We're not Jewish. We don't have a Sabbath law. And how can this apply to believers? Simply in this way, as God's people in God's house, the local church, we must always allow truth to trump tradition. We cannot base anything we do, especially the things we require of others, on tradition, but rather on God's truth. When we face a decision in our church or our personal lives, we must allow what does the Bible say to replace the statement, we've always done it this way. Let me say that again. We need to replace the statement, we've always done it this way, with the statement, what does the Bible say? God's truth trumps man's tradition. Shorten that, if you will. Truth trumps tradition. And that is the big idea of this text. That is the application, whether you're Jew, Gentile, whatever, that you can look at this story and see that according to Jesus himself, truth trumps tradition. And so what would it look like if we went into our local churches and in, in our own personal walks with the Lord, but especially in our local churches, and we allow truth to dictate instead of tradition. No phrase has killed. Now, I'm just going to speak for Southern Baptists because that's what I am. Okay? That's, that's what I am. So I'm just going to speak for my people. No phrase has killed and choked more churches than this phrase. We've always done it that way. That That is... Who cares? Every time I hear that, I want to say, yeah, and that's why your church is in the condition it's in. Get rid of that. Throw that out of your vocabulary and replace it with this question. What does the Bible say? Well, we want to do this. Great. What does the Bible say? Well, pastor, we think we ought to do that. Wonderful. What does the Bible say? What does the Bible say? Truth trumps. Tradition, the Sabbath showdown, God's truth trumping man's tradition. Well, Jesus dealt with the Pharisees pretty rough, didn't he? I mean, he really socked it to them. And I hope that you'll take this sermon and apply it to your life in a way that exalts the Savior. And so have a blessed day and keep studying the Savior through the Scripture.